0: Have you ever stopped to think that virtually everything we use in our daily lives is based on technology? Even further, do you understand the software behind this technology? Welcome to The Art of Software with Martin Lacey. In today's program, you'll hear how software is created and implemented, why it's written the way it is, and learn from its success stories, proven best practices, and significant failures. Now, here is your host, Martin Lacey.
1: Good morning, and welcome to The Art of Software. I'm your host Martin Lacey. Uh, during today's show we're going to explore how an idea gets transformed into a working software application with Paul Twig, Vice President of Technology at Sierra Systems. They're a top tier IT service and management consulting firm. Uh, we're going to look at the different types of software applications and processes used by professionals to build, test, deliver these applications to their customers, the end users. We'll explore the processes used, and methodologies employed. Look at the various steps and phases of the software craft, and get a glimpse of the vision, the teams, and the teamwork necessary to pull off a great product. So, if without further ado, I'd like to introduce Paul Twig. How are you today?
2: Hey, Martin. Doing well, thank you.
1: Welcome to today's show. Um, Now you've been with Sierra for quite a few years and obviously uh, in the software development world for well over 20. Uh, Can you give us a little bit of uh, background about your uh, uh, cover a little bit of your background and exposure to software development?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Thanks for the introduction. Uh, you know, I've been involved now in software development for over twenty-five years, and uh, I don't believe any two projects that I've worked on have ever been the same. Uh, funny to say that, right? Uh, yes. Isn't it? Yeah, it's an exciting topic. I think we're we're discussing just because of that one single uh, variable. Uh, there, you know, technologies, methodologies, uh, application of software development—it's constantly changed over these twenty years. Uh, but really, that one variable that hasn't changed is that requirement for our architects and designers to understand what an end user actually wants, when in many situations, they don't even either know themselves or have the inability to disseminate that kind of uh, information. So I actually started developing software 25 years ago, uh, technologies like COBOL on a VAX system uh, right. while I was in Europe. It kind of predates myself a, a little bit, makes well, it Well, they're a still using
1: low. COBOL out there. I mean, it's still available. <laughs>
2: You know, that that was back in the days you could could actually uh, compile your application and uh, make it take up all the memory on the whole system and uh, crash everybody else's uh, application. Take a thousand thousand lines of code to put a hello world there in the uh, center of the screen. But it it seemed to work, right? Yeah. But, you know, ultimately, back, back then it seemed like if your information... Needed to be computerized, right? You you adopted your business to what the computer system uh, could do, and that's really when I started in the in the software industry. You know, we were dictating out to the business, this is how things must uh, go. And really, you know, if you face it, uh, there really wasn't until 1990s where business analysis uh, was seen as a necessity, uh, mainly due to all the cost overruns in software development projects. Now, uh, you know, we're we're talking about DevOps talking about agile we're talking about how do we get away from uh uh waterfall processes uh and you know one of, it's one of the beauties of working at sierra systems because we see that kind of variety across a uh, whole subset of clients uh there you know ranging from just tens of people to to uh, thousands of people uh but uh, you know really our goal has to be building software that's uh, satisfying to our end users. Uh, you know, no matter whether we're the architect, the developer, the tester, the business analyst, the PM, uh, or whether we've got another role on the project, right? Let's make sure we develop software that's going to be used, or really happily used, every day. Yeah, you you mentioned the waterfall
1: processes, and now we're getting into DevOps and Agile. Um, can you explain just uh, briefly what the difference is between that and why why there was a, a switch, or what what necessitated that that shift from um, what is what was traditionally viewed as the the waterfall?
2: Yeah, sure. Let, let me share just a, a quick story. I, I got way too many stories uh, here, but. <laughs> Yeah, about, about a decade ago, I was on a tour of Eastern Canada with the CIO of a uh, fairly well-known organization. And uh, on one of our flights, we we always tried to sit together and it became a planning session for us on, uh, on these planes. Uh, but on one of them, we got separated. Uh, I got put in different rows. And, and uh, when we got off the plane, uh, the CIO handed me a napkin. Now, you know how small those napkins are uh, on a plane, right? They're pretty, pretty small. And uh, on it, during the flight, and it was only a 45-minute flight. It actually drawn out the requirements for a new application we've been talking about. And uh, I think I still got the napkin somewhere, buried away in all my uh, all my documents uh, somewhere. But he, yeah, you know, he he got off that plane and he said, "Go develop this piece of software," and uh, completely expected us to go and uh, to go and build the uh, classic software development. Right, right, uh, right, right from uh, that right napkin. There. Right, right from the napkin uh, there, but you know, to to answer your answer your question there about uh, the different kind of methodologies, you know, moving from uh, waterfall into into more of the uh, agile, you know, ultimately back in the nineteen nineties, you know, we 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 really came to a point of where we said. You know, we need to understand everything that a computer system has to do before we develop it, because people change their minds, and if they change their minds, that that really doesn't bode well to a project. You know, project never finishes. So we sat down in a room and would collect all of these requirements, but ultimately it didn't solve the problem because end users change, right? People change, and uh, who who's running a a particular project and business requirements actually do change. So it, yes. it caused, you know, it caused a massive overrun. Right in uh, in projects uh, all the way through the 1990s into the 2000s, and that's really where the waterfall methodology started to fall down. These large projects, six months a year, two years. Uh, there, you know, how hard is it to be successful in that environment where you've really got to be able to predict, you know, two years from now, what is the application that this end user is actually going to want to be asking me to? Uh, to create, right, and that that was the waterfall methodology.
1: Yeah, and in today's changing world, uh, being able to predict how you're going to need an application to behave and pre- perform two years in advance is practically impossible.
2: Yeah, I, I, absolutely, right. And so, Agile Manifesto came out in what early 2001. Uh, you know, we're now in 2018, and I'm still sitting down with clients, and they're saying, "Hey, let's do uh, let's do Agile." Uh, there, uh, tell me how to do it. Right, I sat down with a client, and this is not too long ago, where they turned around and said, "Hey, we've got a fixed scope and we've got a fixed budget, and we want an agile project. Uh, can you deliver it for us?" And you know, we, we had to go through really ultimately what uh, what an agile project is all about. It needs to be a little agile, right? Things can't be uh, things can't be fixed uh, there. So, you know, while while Agile, though, typically pleases a client in in an approach, uh, it it does lend itself to longer overall delivery times, right? So, you know, you often hear developers, I'll sit down and interview them, and they'll be talking about, you know, how Agile, you know, it delivers functionality faster, it's cheaper uh, to do, and this is the reason why they they choose it. But, you know, in, in reality, those are not the real reasons why, you choose agile uh there you know we can see agile projects actually be longer be more expensive. The reason why we deliver agile is because it allows us to go through and deliver what the client actually wants right now right right in in,
1: awesome. in in smaller cycles right
2: yeah in absolutely in uh, in smaller cycles uh the, and uh, be, being able to change, right? What, what do we do if the business comes and says, hey, we, we've just bought a new company or, or we've just started a new business unit and this business unit requires this functionality uh, in that piece of software. Do we, do we stop the development process and start again or do we just start reprioritizing some of the tasks that we've been given to complete so that we can hit what the business needs?
1: Right. Uh, do you do you see the agile um, or co- companies moving into agile? Is it more uh, industry segment based, or is everybody starting to adopt and uh, see the light, if you if you will? You know
2: that that's a that's that's a great question, and it, it's all all over the map, right? Uh, there, you you have uh, the early adopters, and you you have people that are ultimately late to the game. You know. Ultimately, I would just kind of summarize that up of, you know, if, if you ask the developer, everybody does it because it's the new and sexy way to do it and supposedly it's the only way to be successful, uh, <laughs> bi- right? Uh, business decision makers, though, seem to want to be able to select a methodology based on budget, right? So if, right. if they're working in a place where there's a fixed budget, you know, waterfall methodology actually might make sense, but let's just make a small project. Uh, if it's a product development company and you're not doing Agile, Heck, we—you know—you've you, got a problem there, right? And I think we see a lot of that now with the advent of cloud and the the cloud technologies uh, that are coming up. You know, we've got zero tolerance for downtime, right? With a SaaS right. application or a PaaS app, it's just got to go, and we want new functionality today, tomorrow, and every day from now right we want this product to be great uh, and so we got to make sure that our development teams are set up to have that really adaptive approach okay
1: I see um, so uh, so you're not are you finding that there isn't any kind of bias between the industry is just sort of haphazard who, who adopts it and who doesn't
2: yeah I, I think so you know we, we we certainly see you know if you're developing a product then there's we lean towards agile a lot more. If, if literally we're developing software just because there's a business need, uh, then you know ultimately it depends on uh, on the organisation. You know, we we still have lots of clients that are doing uh, waterfall type approaches uh, to their uh, software development.
1: I, I'm just kind of leading a question here. Um, for the ones that do actually still follow waterfall, are they doing it in much smaller projects? I I would presume then to try and make the turnaround time, you know, from the requirements to deployment s- smaller.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, 10 years ago, it wasn't uh, atypical to have a a two-year project. Now we're looking at projects that are, you know, two to three months uh, in size, and then we'll phase things out over those two to three months.
1: Okay, well, that's very interesting. Um, I think we're going to be moving on to a break shortly. Um, So after our break, we'll continue on with uh, talking about the project initiation, how we get uh, software projects um, up and running and uh, and how we get that whole uh, software development cycle started, and uh, creating that um, going from that initial idea, the sound bubble, the uh, that jazz hands, to actually um, getting something that the customers want. So uh, with that in mind, I think we're going to be taking a break, and uh, we'll come back with Paul Twig. Vice President of uh, Technology at Sierra Systems.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America private equity firms have over one trillion dollars to invest they are the biggest funding source for growing companies, why do they reject
1: 98% of deals how do you get the right deal for your company join Kevin Fechtmeyer and his partners on the Deal Team 6 to uncover the next winning deal and
0: avoid the financial landmines Deal Junkie, Cracking the Private Equity Code is broadcast live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on The Voice America The Business Channel.
3: How is your business running? It should be running smoothly, with nary a hiccup, like a finely tuned machine. But if you're like most businesses, yours may be running nowhere close to that. Listen for Operationally Speaking with your host, Sergio Samal. Our program will help you to run your entrepreneurial business easier, better, with less frustration. And by running it well, you're sure to be poised for faster growth. Tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and Noon Pacific time on the Voice America Business Channel.
0: How is your company's marketing plan? Could it use a little help? For most businesses, the answer is yes. Tune in each week to Marketing That Won't Break the Bank. Host Janet Kunst and her guests will show you how and where to bring your marketing to the next level. Each show will feature action strategies that you can implement right away and see results. We'll make this easy for you. Start by tuning in every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Art of Software with Martin Lacy. To connect with the show today, you may call into 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd prefer to send an email, you may send it to m.lacy at lacytechnology.com. Now, back to The Art of Software.
1: Welcome back to The Art of Software with Martin Lacy my special guest, Paul Twig from uh, Sierra Systems, Vice President of Technology. Uh, we're going to continue on our conversation today with uh, the project initiation, how a software project gets started. Um, so with that, Paul, um, you know, we all uh, get approached with projects, project ideas. Someone has uh, a concept of, of, an, of a project, they think they'd like to see it done. Um, a lot of you know, hand waving occurs, and uh, you know, jazz hands, and um, people uh, do a lot of talking. But how do you take it from that um, from that initial concept, that jazz hand talking, and uh, bring it down to something that um, the customer actually wants? And how do you start that that description process?
2: Yeah, you know, it's a great, great question. You know, shake that magic wand and just make the software appear, I think. Is, yeah, it is seems to happened, me the right? requirement <laughs> is just make it happen. <laughs> just, just make it happen. When do you need it? Yesterday. Uh, but, you know, all kidding aside, you know, as a consulting company, our clients have usually determined what the problem is, right? Otherwise, they wouldn't be approaching us. Uh, there, And they've often envisioned a solution. Now, k- keep that in mind, right? Our clients have envisioned a solution. That, that That's a little scary to a software developer. Uh, there. Very. But they have, right? In, uh, by the time uh, that they reach out to us. Uh, then. so our job really... You know they were engaging us to design and build the solution, but really, our real job is to get into the mind of that business user and understand what that picture is that they've built. Right,
1: and I, I, yeah. So how do you get in there and kind of shape that vision, or get inside their head to to see what they're what they're casting? Because of course they they're only dealing with what they've seen before and trying to. uh Push that forward as an idea into some form that they they now um, own so how do you sort of shape this so that it works within the software and technology um, that's available
2: yeah it, it, again great great question then you know ultimately i i think it boils down to the fact that we've got to become trusted advisors with uh, with a lot of our clients right so you know at, at sierra we're really keen to go and develop a relationship with the clients so that we get brought into a project earlier into the process our, our goal is to try and help our clients build that image of that piece of software that they need because then then we're involved uh in that process uh we get called straight away you know and, yeah, we've had some of our clients for for twenty years, you know, way longer than uh, than I've been here. But you know, ultimately, I think standardisation really does become the key uh, to this. You know, if we've completed a similar type of project previously, it, it becomes very, very easy to kind of walk the client through the processes, the lessons learned, things that they should expect uh, on that pro- project.
1: So you you actually have an opportunity to use. Uh, prior um, prior projects I guess as a as a stepping stone
2: yeah I, I absolutely sure I, I think one of the keys to to our, our success here is you know we we developed our own methodology built built on top of scrum and I, I think we'll talk about this a little bit later on in uh, in the broadcast today but uh, you know part, part of that is being able to solicit this uh, information from our customers and be able to collect it in a in a way that the customer can actually provide it, and so you know as, as an example, uh, our SharePoint team built a, a, a bunch of uh, requirements gathering workbooks, and these are workbooks that you know range from 30 or 40 questions to maybe several hundred questions for some of the more complex type scenarios, where we've been able to use our experience, and we can say you know client's asking for an intranet, we know that an intranet is going to have a certain set of features uh, There, or we believe it might. Uh, let's put that in a document and then give that document to a client. We actually provide these documents to our clients a couple of weeks before we go in and start trying to really collect the information so that they can come to these meetings prepared with the information and they can start to learn how we're thinking right? Because that, that becomes the challenge with these big projects, these software development projects is helping the developers think like the business users and helping the business users think like the developers. And these workbooks are, have, have worked magic for us uh, in that respect.
1: So you, you come to the table, uh, it sounds like, with a, uh, a list of uh, functions and features that uh, are, are typical for the type of project that uh, the customer is looking for uh, to try and get their their ideas or their thoughts um, percolating around those potential features as being included or uh, added in it to their application.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things we find is, you know, if we don't have that, the only approach we can put to a project is an agile kind of scrum approach. That That's the only way to get there uh, because, you know, you kind of got to, develop on the fly. If we're able to come around and say, hey, we know a specific type of project is going to have ABC uh, functionality, we can actually give the client now an option to say, look, you know, let's kind of package something up and say, you know, we know what these requirements are going to be. We can go and develop the application versus let's just build something on the, on the fly with a, a common goal that we're aiming to. Or we could still go the agile approach and Develop on the fly, so we're able to give the the client the uh, the option. And you know, if, if I was to make one recommendation today out to all of the listeners there, you know, developers that are just getting going uh, on on the path of software development, it it would be that go into meetings prepared, understanding what you think the client really needs, even if you're wrong, because even if you're wrong, the client can put you right. Don't go into those meetings with a blank piece of paper and ask, what do you want? Because there's very, very few times I've seen in my career where we've been successful with that kind of approach.
1: Right. That makes a lot of sense. So you need to come in and help them shape their vision as much as possible and bring in your technology uh, experience.
2: Technology experience, domain experience, you know, application experience, experiencing communication, talking to the end users, uh, you know, general excitement for that particular space, right? And right. You know, help help the end users just feel it.
1: Yes, and get excited about their project.
2: That's right, exactly.
1: Uh, how do you how do you decide how big a project is, or you know, when you when a customer comes to you and. Has uh, a list of requirements, and and uh, they put to you. Uh, we need um, you to put together a proposal for us. Um, uh, how do you feel them out and fear if figure out what the your true scope, or do you talk about budget? Uh, yeah, how do you get get a sense for the the size of of the thing?
2: Yeah, I love it. Uh, you know, and it, it, this is certainly one of the paradigm sh- uh, shifts that have happened in the industry uh, and ac- accelerated over the last few years. You know, a lot of times when a client approaches now, they, they'll they come to us and say, hey, go develop this type of system. And by the way, we've got $100,000 or we've got a $1 million or $5 million to develop the system, figure it out, right? And so, you know, when, when we look at really deciding how big a project is, it it becomes more about the scope uh, of that project now you know just recently we've started seeing a lot of companies come to us and say you know technology is changing so fast you know we've got machine learning we've got ai we've got all this cloud, cloud stuff you know Help us build a roadmap so that we can understand how much we're going to have to invest, and, and that, be, that becomes uh, uh, something that's uh, really important there, right? So, you know, go, going back to defining how big something is, there, you know, l- lots of questions we could potentially ask, right? So, you know, does a project ever really end if it moves into uh, support? You know, this is a real problem that our delivery teams at Sierra have to deal with constantly uh you know think about reporting it can be endless and let's face it right until there's data in the application how do you really know what reports you're going to need
1: and they don't don't see see the the machinations of all the data and the the richness of of mining that data until after the after you've built the system
2: yeah exactly testing is another one when 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 is a uh, an application tested enough to say it's not going to cause a problem in in production right that that can be endless so you know one of the things we focus on is what really is going to define success you know how much learning does the project team have to do to understand what the problem is that's been solved right so lots of questions so you know ultimately when we start looking at estimating these projects uh, we identify I, I I would say three key pieces right number one is the the information that the client's provided, right? So, you know, we, we take that information serious, right? While we know it might not be 100% accurate, we take it serious. Uh, number two, the information we understand about the client and about that client ask. Again, going back to our domain knowledge. And then the the third thing is the understanding, really, of one of our architects or a group of our architects on the technology, the application, and how to implement it.
1: Right. Um, following on with that, how do you how do you keep the customer involved? Or how, how do you you know when you're scoping out this this project, you've got your own resources, and of course, you know you're going to have to be pulling in uh, requirements and things will change throughout the life cycle of the project. How do you get your customer uh, to acknowledge or to participate um, and To what level do they need to be cognizant of their participation? Like, how much, you know, how how do you coach them along to be uh, an active participant?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And so, right right from the beginning, uh, we need to make sure that they're actively engaged, right? So, you know, we we find that uh, uh, proposals or responses that have uh, pictures in it, screenshots, as an example of what we might produce, that starts to engage the passion of the end user. And, uh, you know, typically then we use assumptions, right? So, this combination of uh, pretty pictures, screenshots, and assumptions. Will typically get our end users uh, engaged in that process because they can see what they uh, what they're actually going to get. Right. So building into that that visual, I guess, uh, built helps
1: to create that that passion. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. That that's awesome. Thank you very much. Uh, I think we're going to be going into our um, our second break here. Um, so with that in mind. Uh, please stay with us. We'll be back shortly and we'll start talking about development methodologies. Um, as we've kind of alluded to so far, uh, we'll get into Agile and how Scrum uh, plays a part in Agile and uh, those processes, methodologies, and uh, techniques used by software teams to build the applications. So, uh, with that in mind, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back shortly.
0: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7.
3: How is your work-life balance? In most businesses, no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work-Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
4: faces lots of changes if you are a student educator or in the workforce you'll want to tune into big beacon radio transforming higher education your host dave goldberg and his guests will explore the innovations that higher education adopts as it reinvents itself the world of higher education is constantly changing stay on top and stay ahead of the rest big beacon radio transforming higher education Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel.
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Art of Software with Martin Lacey. To connect with the show today, you may call into one 866 472 5790 Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd prefer to send an email, you may send it to m.lacy at lacytechnology.com. Now, back to The Art of Software.
1: Hi, and welcome back to The Art of Software with me, Martin Lacy, and my special guest, Paul Twigg from Sierra Systems. Uh, He's the Vice President of Technology. Uh, in this segment of the show, we're going to talk about um, uh, software methodologies, how software actually gets constructed. Now, today, it's uh, it's a very complex and chaotic world with constant change. Uh, software and software processes need to be adaptive and responsive. Um, as we alluded to in the previous segments, the uh, waterfall technology or waterfall methodology is one that... Um, it, puts too much time between the requirements gathering and the actual implementation and time. That that time uh, allows technology and uh, other business changes to occur and uh, software needs to be adaptive. So when the requirements are way up front um, and the project is two years long, the ability for the software to meet the business needs uh, becomes less and less likely. So with that in mind, we're going to resume our conversation with Paul and talk about Agile. Um, Agile as a software methodology, Scrum as a technique within Agile, and um, how current projects use those tools to, to build great software. So Paul can you tell tell us a bit uh how how uh, Sierra started going with agile and uh where it's currently at like ah, are all the teams on agile or how is that working
2: yeah, so, I mean uh, uh, Sierra ultimately we respond to our clients needs right so if a client comes back and says hey i want a waterfall uh, project we have a waterfall uh, we deliver a waterfall project if they want an agile project right. we'll deliver an agile project uh, what what we did do at sierra though and, and i think this becomes really important when we start talking about methodologies uh some something that microsoft did did years ago too uh there so we we actually developed our own methodology all right we we call it the swim, uh, you know, the Sierra way uh, for methodology. It actually incorporates Agile and it incorporates Scrum. So we, we don't want to redevelop the stuff that we know has been proven to be successful. Right. But we, yeah, we, we want to make it adaptive, though, right? Uh, anything that becomes too fixed, you know, and you get these purists when you start talking about methodologies saying the only way to do it is this. These are the only roles that you can have on a project. Well, you know, it's not true. Right? Yeah, absolutely. You've got to be able to adapt to what a client wants.
1: Yeah, I mean, to reflect on that, uh, uh, for projects that I've been involved in um, in the past 15 years or so, uh, I've even used different terminology. I've called it proto-cycling, uh, just so that it throws people off the game a little bit so that it's not labeled as, okay, well, this is agile, this is Chrome, this is what you're doing. You know, it's, it's, a proto- it's an iterative development process Designed to continuously improve and gather more and more f- input, more and more requirements until you actually have a, a finished product that the customer
2: wants yeah absolutely so you you take that sierra the sierra swim methodology without getting into it in too much detail uh there you know we we look at having you know short sprints that are designed to accommodate change you know uh, that elicit regular client feedback uh we've got a standardized but it's an adaptable project structure uh that looks at different phases disciplines milestones gets into how we actually store the documents of a, a particular project we look at you know, dashboards—the kind of things that need to be able to report back on uh, project progress—and then, you know, ultimately, it tries to enable the collaboration between the deliberate between the delivery teams to establish these different priorities. And you know, make, You know, maybe Sierra is a little unique in this uh, aspect that, you know, a client might come to us and ask us for an application and we'll engage our Dynamics team, we'll engage our uh, Business uh, Intelligence team, our Data and AI team, our SharePoint team, we'll engage multiple teams that have slightly different approaches to go and solve a problem and our job at the beginning of that project is to really bring those teams together, common understanding, to make it make it work, you know, As an example, uh, Microsoft uh, then they, they started this process, uh, you know, uh, over a decade ago. Uh, now um, they go through and release software through early release cycles, al- almost 18 months before a product is actually released into production. Visual Studio, great example. We see Visual Studio 18 months before it actually gets released. By the time it gets released, uh, the but personally, I'm I'm so familiar with the product that you know I just think it's actually already released, right? It's so yes. you know, I'm not expecting change.
1: Yeah, or or just the things that were annoying will now now start to work properly. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Exactly.
1: Um, so when within the this the agile process, we've got uh, something we call sprints. Can you maybe uh, go in and describe what a sprint is?
2: Yeah, no, for for sure. Maybe just before we get to sprints, let let's talk about the agile team.
1: Uh, oh, absolutely.
2: The, is, is that okay?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's put it together from the from the resourcing side first.
2: Yeah, because you know, ultimately, your your team for an agile project, and this is where you know you're really going to hit an agile project. Your your team becomes really really important, right? So, you know, the development team. That's the that's the obvious one, right? You know, every every uh, software. Uh, a piece of software needs a development team, but everybody's equal uh, on that on that specific team, right? We we might have a few uh, different roles, but we're not going to go and recognise titles, right? And so what right. we want to make sure is everybody's got an equal voice on that development team. Everybody gets invited to those meetings. Now, think about that from an hours and a billing perspective. Even if you even if it's internal, right? That now starts to take up time right and so this is where agile projects could potentially take a little bit longer the scrum master right i mean the you know i think again this is one, one of the uh obvious ones there scrum master you know the person that's really enforcing the rules of uh of agile and saying hey we're on track or or, or we're not on track from a methodology uh perspective uh there but the one that we find is often missed right and i think is you know, beyond, you know, obviously the developers, the most important role on an Agile Scrum project, that's the product owner, right? The, right. The, yeah, right? The person Absolutely. that owns this piece of work. Now, let, let, let me ask you a question there, Martin. You know, and, you know, the question we, we ask out there, how many product owners should we have on an Agile project? Well, for me, I, I would like one you know I wish everybody had that answer right (laughs) (laughs) it it would make life so much easier for us and we walk into projects where the product owner is a committee and it's a committee of people that disagree exactly it's like having
1: a schizophrenic
2: yeah yeah and how how can you deliver an agile project when it takes three months to create a simple uh, decision yes and so this is essential If you're not going to have a single product owner, don't do Agile, right? And maybe that's a little blunt and a little bold, but I think that ultimately defines this success, right? So what does your product owner do, right? So make sure all your backlog uh, works. Make sure um, everything's visible and transparent, right? Make sure your development team understands the the prioritization of of that that particular piece of work so u- ultimately it it's this uh, this product owner that's just driving how things will function so I, you know, that's what the team is yeah that
1: that's that sounds so true um and of course the product owner being the 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 visionary the the the, the person on the customer side that you know demonstrates the need uh, or they can speak, speak, to the, speak to the need and champion the product all the way along.
2: Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you talk about the development team there as well. And, uh, you know, I, I've been a developer for, for a lot of years. And, uh, you know, my, my egos driven me. And I'm not shy to uh, suggest that, uh, you know, and I have an opinion. And you you find this in a in a lot of development teams, and that's why when you look at the size of a development team on a on a Scrum project, you know, uh, no no less than three, otherwise you really don't have an opinion uh, but, you know,
1: Yeah, yeah, it's hard to have a uh, yeah uh,
2: an opinion, right? If there's no yeah. one to argue with.
1: Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. You just do what you want.
2: <laughs> exactly. You know, and you know, on the flip side of that, you know, ten becomes a really good number right when when you start getting teams of 25 and 50 uh, to be able to manage you spend so much time in the in the HR aspect of managing that team uh, that it really becomes very very difficult to go and implement Agile and you know personally what I would do at that point is you know let's take the the goals of the project let's take that backlog let's try and phase that backlog out into multiple different backlogs and let let's create multiple scrum teams right, and, right. and just hit, hit the road like that instead of having one big scrum team. Now,
1: how do you convince your customer that they need to be a, a real part of the team?
2: Well, you, you you get give them give them a voice uh, at the uh, at the table, right? Are, are they actually the product owner? Uh, so you know, one of the things that uh, we really enjoy doing is, you know, we uh, put all of our uh, product backlog in in Visual Studio. com, uh, use v- VSTS, and we actually give our clients access to their instance uh, of that. That our clients can see. The backlog that we're developing to, they can see the problems that the developers are putting in there, and ultimately they can become a part of the, the daily or the uh, the weekly sprint meetings uh, that might uh, might occur.
1: That's a great idea. Yeah, get keep them involved. See what's what's you know way down the pipe and what's in the uh, the daily daily uh, activity log.
2: Uh, absolutely. You know and just, I mean, just talking about that daily meeting uh, quickly here, right that daily scrum, 15 minutes, and you, you've just got to control it, right? Don't go beyond that 15 minutes. And what are you looking at? You're looking at what did I do yesterday? Uh, what am I going to do today? and is there anything stopping me from going forward? right? right. And we need to encourage our developers to really open up and share that opinion.
1: Yeah, I think that that's really key is being able to be open and honest amongst your team and amongst your customer, uh, what the true uh, issues of the day are and uh, get some true collaboration going on uh, moving forward and making it the best, best thing for the next day.
2: That's right. It's not an embarrassment to put your hand up and say help.
1: Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And with that, I believe we're moving on to our final commercial break. And uh, we'll be back shortly with Paul Twig and talk about uh, how we uh, manage the uh, end product uh, of our development application, uh, if there really is an end product, and uh, how you measure success. So we'll be back shortly with Paul Twig of Sierra Systems. Thank you very much.
3: us on twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. trn get the lowdown on guests new
0: shows and your favorites that's voice america trn it's time to take charge of your own career path but how do you get started first tune into the career confidant with marie zimanoff each show will feature national business leaders tips and insight from marie and her guests career management tools and a weekly career smart tip She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
4: In this fast-paced, technologically driven world of business, the stress can be crushing. It's exhausting business leaders and burning out good employees. It is not enough to work from the top down. We must now learn to work from the inside out. Listen to Innovative Mindful Solutions with Terry Galler. We will discuss ways to transform roadblocking emotions using mindful-based tools you can incorporate into your business and your life right now. Don't stress. Tune in every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on The Voice
0: America Business Channel. Starting and running a business can be hard. Moving forward and keeping the excitement alive can be difficult to do. I'm Joe Hosman. If you are experiencing the struggles of opening or sustaining a business, or even knowing you need a change in your life, you want to tune in to my show, Go For It. My guest and I will show you the steps needed to build something positive in your week. Listen every Thursday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Art of Software with Martin Lacey. To connect with the show today, you may call into 1 866 472 5790. Again, that's 1 866 472 5790. If you'd prefer to send an email, you may send it to m.lacy at lacytechnology.com. Now, back to The Art of Software.
1: Hi and welcome back to The Art of Software. I'm with Paul Twig from Sierra Systems. Uh, he's a Vice President of Technology and what we're talking about at this point of the program is um, how do we make sure the what we're building in terms of software is what the customer needs. Now, um, we left off the last uh, segment talking about Agile and Scrum and the iterative nature of, 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 um, of repeating cycles to build the application. Um, so how do you, now that we're trying to get the customer engaged and hopefully they've adopted the mindset of being the product owner, how do you make sure what you're building is what the customer is thinking?
2: Yeah, I- in that the million-dollar question, uh, and I want to I want to share an experience I had. Just uh, this, this is several years ago. Uh, you know, I look back at it and say it's one of my.
4: Uh,
2: oh. Uh, the you know from a business user perspective, nothing nothing worked. And then we we're actually tasked with developing a mission-critical enterprise web application uh, that would actually be used by every employee in the organization, and we, we were engaged. Before the business was actually engaged, you know, this was a decision that was uh, that was made from uh, the executive team. So, one of the things that we we started to do, right? We we started holding pizza lunches and focus groups. Uh, we actually engaged the business throughout the process. Created a new release environment and allowed only a certain amount of special end users. And we kind of put special in inverted commas. Uh, we, <laughs> Create a, <laughs> a, a desire.
1: For- I won't can't touch on that
2: one. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Go ahead. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, but yeah. You know, ultimately, we we created that desire for people to want to be involved, and before we knew knew it, what had happened was we we actually had people uh, pinging us and saying, "Hey, can I be involved in testing this product?" Because they started to realize that hey, there. Now have a voice at the table because we'd sit down with them as they're talking and we'd actually record these sessions, would document what they were saying, and you know simple comments that would happen uh, over conversation of, well, it, it'd be really nice if it did this, and or you, you'd actually watch them struggling to try and find that place on the screen to be able to do X, and all of a sudden next time they came to the session, it became easy for them because we'd changed where where it was and. They, they started to uh, get engaged. By the end of the project there, most of the company, I, I say most, we can't say all of them, had, had seen the application multiple times, and when it was, once it was deployed, they just started using it. The, the approach reduced training cost. It increased the speed of adoption. It decreased the time return on investment for that application. So, in fact, so the ROI on this application it took about six months to develop in that that initial phase the ROI was identified as nine months for a team of six developers which, which is pretty outstanding wow. I had to get yeah. that investment
1: so and I guess it sounds like the the critical part of that was getting keeping the customer involved
2: I, I absolutely the got to be involved from the beginning and even, even if they don't want to be you, you've got to better find a way to be able to get that messaging out right and you know let's not just stick to email uh because you know it's so easy to ignore an email you know let, let let's put out donuts in the morning and sit down and have a conversation we'll bring it into uh that co- that conversation but you know ultimately you know it's that one common factor of every software do uh development project there that the customer has to be involved from the very beginning not not when developments halfway through not when we've got something to show but from the very beginning when the ideas are being uh, are being created
1: yes and you know I, I think that speaks for speaks volumes um, as you able to pick up on side conversations and things that the customer uh, you know uh gives you eye contact about uh, things that they don't really say explicitly, but they have an impact on how the application can be built, and it's you know having that that repertoire with your customer so that you can see what they're trying to say and not being able to say it
2: yeah you know we we, we like to bring our clients into rooms right we, we like you said you know we we want to see their reaction to stuff yeah i was, I was on a a project recently and in, we i was actually really excited about this project because the first meeting we had all of the executives of the organization uh at this meeting you know, you imagine walking into a software development meeting you got the ceo the cfo the cio and uh, you got all of these Super important people in the organization. You're thinking this is going to be a dream project right. because you've got all the stakeholders there, right? Yeah, you've everybody's got, engaged. I, everybody's <laughs> engaged. And We sit down in this meeting, and uh, all of a sudden I realize there's just two of us speaking. It's me and the CEO. And they, nobody would dare speak in that room. Right, because right. nobody wanted to say anything that the CEO didn't want to uh, didn't want to hear. So, you know, we we've learned lots of lessons through the years. Of you know, make sure when we're doing these workshops or we're having these conversations uh, that we don't always invite the same people to them. We get different groups. You know, we put different groups against uh, against each other. And you know, to to be honest, you know, if we can do things like. Prototyping, if we can do things like making sure we've got screenshots that could be even marked up in just PowerPoint, right? Or in a a working prototype, we can really engage that user. What a user is not engaged with is a Word document that's full of words. (laughs) Sit down here, go read this. Sit down here, go read it. How can they imagine what's going on in your mind when they're sitting down and reading a document? They they can't. Right? They have this picture and they would use a set of different words for that picture. So your job is to put it into a picture, prototype it, build like, like I said, you know, build a mock-up in PowerPoint and have them say, no, I don't like that because now you can correct it at a point in the project where it really does not have uh, an impact. You, know? and, you, know, you, you, you look at that and we say, how can we go through and measure success With all of this, well, you know, in in it, if I put my developer hat on, right, success is everything that I develop because I'm just successful. (laughs) If I put my architect hat on, success is everything that I design, right? Because heck, I'm the architect. If I'm the PM, success is every project that I've delivered within scope, time, and budget, right? In in a business though success is an application that really empowers me to greater things. And that that that's what becomes important when we look at application development, what's really going to define that success? Ultimately for a consulting company like Sierra Systems, you know, our biggest asset are our employees, but it's our clients that pay us. If we can empower our uh, clients to become better at their jobs on a daily basis because they're using the software that we've built, then we know we've been successful.
1: Excellent. So, so the true measure of your success is your customers' um, adoption of the product and making a difference to their, to their business.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, we, we put check marks next to scope. We put check marks next to schedule and time effort. We put check marks next to budget. And we watch those from the beginning to the end of the project. Right. Right. But ultimately, it's that empowerment of a client that is going to define that success and make them want to come back and say, hey, Sierra, come and develop version 2, version 3, version 4, and so on.
1: Very good. And I'm sure you've got lots of repeat customers to that effect
2: we 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 do and we we we're happy we're happy to have them we we enjoy that aspect of our business
1: fantastic well it's been awesome talking to you paul um i think that's all we have for today um i'm looking forward to speaking with you and your colleagues in the future um thanks again for talking with us and uh, have an awesome day
2: martin thank you appreciate it take care paul bye bye
0: Thank you for listening to The Art of Software. Be sure to join your host, Martin Lacey, again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of our program on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we talk again, have a great week.